Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Correspondent Podcast from the Foreign Correspondents Club here in Hong Kong. My name is Jennifer Jett, and I'm an FCC Vice President, and I'm here to share with you a special bonus episode to accompany our debut magazine edition. I hope you enjoyed the conversations with Aaron Bush and Nancy Lim, hosted by my colleague Tella Rabane. Another of the features in the latest edition of the Correspondent magazine is a story about two FCC members who found themselves stuck in Macau during the pandemic, wondering what to do with themselves. They managed to turn a slow news day that lasted two years into a story. In fact, they turned their experience of lockdown into a whole book. It's about the history of Macau, but as you'll hear, it's about much more than that. It's about the historic places and the stories to be found if you get off the well-worn tourist paths of Macau and go exploring for yourself. Here's a Q&A I recorded with Topher Chu and Maggie Hoy. I hope you enjoy it. With me on the line from Macau, we have Christopher Chu and Maggie Hoy, who have joined the distinguished ranks of FCC members who are now published authors with their book, Macau's Historical Witnesses, which came out late last year. And uh, we're really happy to be talking to them about that book today. So I'll just start out by asking, how did you end up stuck in Macau during the pandemic? And... Uh, how did you end up writing this book together? So I guess to kind of give a backstory, um, my wife, Maggie, uh, Macau based and me, I was working in Hong Kong, Hong Kong based. And even though uh, we were living kind of in two different places, door to door was only two hours. It was very easy. So in my mind, it was never like we were separated. Because, uh, you know, if you go to like Clearwater Bay, it's like an hour and a half to get up there. Discovery Bay is also far. So Macau, Hong Kong, in my mind, is always very easy. Uh, Pre-COVID, it was just normal, business normal. But uh, come COVID, suddenly the border closes and we were oops, separated and uh, we didn't know what's going to happen. So we really thought in the beginning that it was going to be a few months. So we kind of said, OK, like, we'll just kick the can down the road. And once this, this COVID thing is finished, we'll be fine. Uh, six months became a year, a year became a year and a half. And I think we realized at the time that we had to kind of make a life choice. So uh, between the two of us, I felt that it was easier for me to move to Macau, just where I was in my place career-wise, and just I could not be away from Maggie anymore. Uh, as you know, when we did the Hong Kong Macau, uh, when you travel, there's a 14-day quarantine between the two places. And uh, there's no place better to you know, be with your thoughts in 14 days in a hotel. So I said, okay, uh, game plan. I'm going to make use of my time, do some reading. And I'm going to, once we're done with this quarantine, I'm going to take my wife out and we're going to go do all the fun UNESCO heritage things of Macau. And what I discovered was I couldn't find a book that really met that demand. So uh, I did some research and I was going through those things. And, you know, one story became another story, another story became another story. And what really began as a project that I want to share with my wife became much bigger um, we had about five or six stories and then, you know, we go to these places and I was telling Maggie about that and Maggie said, you know, if we can find like five more, maybe we can put a book together. So we gave it a try and five became 10, 10 became 15, 20, became 22. And then it became more than 22 stories. Actually, we actually had much more, but we decided to take kind of the 22 best stories and put that in the book. Um, it really just came out of nowhere. It really was like a thing to keep me busy uh, I knew I wasn't going to work because of COVID. I knew we weren't going to travel. And it has just been this kind of game of kind of clue, a game of, you know, looking for new things uh, in Macau. And that's kind of how the book started. It was really just a, a side project that we didn't think anything of. 
And in the year and a half that we've been doing it, it's been, it's really blown up. Like it's been allowed us to kind of meet new people, try new things. Uh, we're going to translate the book into Chinese. We're working on a second book. So to do this kind of new project at a time when you didn't know what was going to happen is a real 180. So we've just been so blessed to be able to do it. Hope that answers the question. It was really just wanted to be with my wife. I needed something to do. It was not a let's write a book together because we're awesome. It was just I need to have a coloring book in front of me. I don't know what I'm going to do for the next 12 months. For Maggie, as someone who's from Macau, did this project change the way you think about your hometown or how you experience it? Absolutely. I think um, as a Macau local, it's very interesting that most people who born here, live here, we walk around all these historical places every day, but we don't really think too much of it. We're just like, oh, it's there. And um, when the tourists come and then they come and all like take pictures and it's very pretty. And then you're like, oh, yeah, they are always here and blocking my way. You don't really think about that much. But um, after doing some research about the history of the landmarks and um, all these like famous places that uh, like famous in Macau, like we all know the names of the landmarks. And it does give me a different perspective of the history. And I think what is interesting is that as a kid, when I study in Macau, I don't really like history that much because I find it very difficult to memorize a lot of the details and I only study for the tasks. But after doing this book, I think it really gives me a much, much better idea of world history. And I think it's a very stimulative learning. Like I learn a lot more. It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely very tangible. I think compared before, I think usually when you go to these places and most cities, there's like a plaque and it gives you kind of these dates and it's very abstract. You don't really understand the context of it. And when we put this book together, it was really just, we were asking ourselves like, what else happened at that time? And suddenly you can kind of see this very interesting big picture. And it's it goes all the way from like 500 years ago when the Portuguese first landed to even when Stanley Ho, uh, you know, really opened up gaming in the late 20th century. And to kind of see that footprint is, is so cool. I think particularly because when I used to come here before, you know, as just visiting, it really just kind of feels like another city. Like you don't think about it. Like you just like here's your McDonald's, here's your Starbucks, here's your your shops, and then all of a sudden you kind of think, oh, look at the map. This is where the old, you know, the custom house used to be, or look, this is where the old ports were. And suddenly everything kind of has meaning and purpose, and you think. Wow, this is really cool. And you're to be able to be in the middle of it. It's like being in your own story. So 22 landmarks uh, and each section of the, in the book has a vignette or historical anecdote about the different landmarks that kind of sets it in global historical context. It, it's a, we, we do it in clusters. I, when I say 22, it's like 22 grouped together. So there's an example where um, like we look at Ama Temple, which was one of the first... Uh, kind of shrines for fishermen in St. Lawrence Church, which is one of the first churches in Macau. And obviously they were, one is Catholic and one is, I guess one is for, I guess, Taoism. Taoism. And um, so they, I mean, by themselves they're separate, but we like the idea that uh, you can have these two religious shrines so close to each other because they really represent kind of an Eastern world philosophies. But at the end of the day, they were both the same thing. I hope I mean I, I hope I say this without any controversy. I mean, you build these shrines because there's a fear among villagers and people and the new settlers about the water. 
you know, what was happening in the oceans and, and what have you. And I think that was what made Macau very cool was because you had these people who from some from so many different worlds, but they were shared by this, this you know, they were they both had to cut the same fear. And um, you can kind of see where a European settler would come and look for solstice and where a Chinese family would do the same thing. Um, it, we did a bit of creative writing to kind of connect the two. Obviously, it's a bit of a stretch, but we wanted to show that for all the cultural differences in Macau, there was a lot of similarities. And I think that's one thing we thought was kind of cool. was like, what's the European version of this Chinese thing? What's the Chinese version of this European thing? Um, it comes down to it being very similar. And I think it helps put things in retrospect that, you know, we're not so different between us. You know, like what separates us is also what makes us, you know, drives us together. I think I also like that story about uh, Ama Temple and the uh, Church of St. Lawrence, because this two temples church both was for people who are praying for the safety of the families who need to go out at the sea. And so that's what Christopher said. It was a share the same fear. And I feel like it was like, uh, ex especially like during the COVID pandemic it was kind of like although we are different uh, from different background from different race but we are still all just want to have a safe life and it was kind of like it never changed yeah. talking a bit more about the landmarks for those of us here in hong kong who've been to macau multiple times in the past but maybe not for a while are there any landmarks you can think of that might seem familiar to us but there's something new to discover about them or or alternatively, landmarks that maybe tend to be overlooked that you would suggest people go see? That's interesting. You know, we just saw uh, Jonathan Kaufman, uh, who wrote Kings of Shanghai. He just gave a, a speech here in, in Macau. And he talked about the, the Jardin Group and the Matheson Group, the East Indian Company. Uh, obviously, they have a very strong footprint in Hong Kong. But uh, before they got big in Hong Kong, they were in Macau. So I guess in that period, during the Canton system, foreigners could only live in the, oh, this is going to be really nerdy. Uh, so foreigners could live in China like for really like two or three months out of the year. And uh, then they like that, did all the training and that was it. And so your option basically was either you take a boat back and go back to your home country or you find another place where you can kind of chill out. And just given geographical proximity, Macau was kind of the easiest thing because it was very easy to go to Canton from there. So having said that, um, EIC, yeah, the East Indian Company had their headquarters here in Macau. And then the uh, Matheson's, the Jardine Group also had theirs too. Um, and so I think when you look at kind of like, I don't know, all the, you know, the properties of, of, of Hong Kong, it's it's kind of funny to think that a lot of that started in Macau, right? Like the offices to get those, those things. That's also the place where the celebrated poet Kemoish um, supposed to wrote his uh, epic poem there. Uh, I think it's a, more like a legend because we look for some uh, papers and to to so like evidence whether he really arrived in Macau or not. And then there's a lot of um, papers that point out that the geographical description doesn't match with the location with Macau. And so they suspect that maybe it's not Macau, but maybe like Zhuhai or like uh, Lapo Island. But then for some reason, they just say that it's Macau and Macau just like very happily accepted it. And now mm -hmm. they was like, um, well, if it's like legend, but it doesn't matter that we just want to celebrate this 
poet who arrived nearby region. And that was near the Casa Garden as well. And I think um, it's not well known by uh, tourists. It's also not well known by local, but it has very interesting history. And Christopher also found a movie by Bruce Lee um, that was filmed uh, at the door of the Castle Garden. And um, if he hasn't pointed that to me, I have no idea that it was that location. But uh, Christopher told me that actually this movie was uh, very well studied in America. Yeah, I mean, it's a scene that has like the no dogs, no Chinese allowed. And it reflects the discrimination that Chinese people faced in the early 20th century. And then being a 1970s Kung Fu movie, Bruce Lee breaks the sign and it's a big, it's a big show. Um, I think to answer the question about like what could someone from Hong Kong go to Macau and see, you know, I think what's really pretty is that the architecture of Macau is really well preserved. Um, when you look at, say, like old pictures of the FCC, when it used to be on Cano Road, it has like these beautiful columns, high ceilings. And it almost, if you were to come to see the post office today, which is still functional as a post office, it embodies that very neoclassical architecture. So it is a sense of stepping back in time. Um, so you can see something that I don't know, like your grandfather could probably have experienced when they first come to Asia, you know, at the turn of the 20th century. Um, there's just a lot to see in Macau. Like that's why when people come and they say, like, oh, I was here for two days, I did nothing. I always go down a list of like, oh, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? And when they say no, we didn't, I'm like, oh, then you just completely wasted your time in Macau then. Uh, there's all this really cool stuff that, that's happening. And it's just really just deep. I mean, if you want to learn about like the, the connection with Sun Yat-San is here, uh, the connection with obviously the whole group, gaming, uh, even like the dark side of Macau with the opiums and the flower girls. It's it's definitely the footprint is still very visible today. So again, this, this comes down to like tangible history. Um, you're not learning this from a textbook. You can actually go to the old opium house and see where the opium house was located relative to the pier. Uh, if you want to see where the flower girls used to work, uh, now it's a very popular tourist spot. Um, even the pawn shops are still in use. Uh, so you get this really amazing opportunity to see a world that's been preserved, uh, but at the same time is also part of like the global kind of urban uh, monetary society. So it's really a, a win-win, I think, which is very cool. So there's lots of ways to explore Macau uh, through your book, Macau's Historical Witnesses. Can you tell us a little bit, as Hong Kong and Macau finally come out of the pandemic, what is Macau like these days? Is it back to normal or... Um, still taking its time? Should we be rushing to get over there before everyone else does? So Macau's popping, to be honest, straight for, it's really popping. Uh, you know, we, during the pandemic, restaurants were kind of running on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday schedule. It was very common to see the lights off when you arrive. Now it's every day. It's essentially back. I don't want to say it's full, it's hundred percent capacity uh, because there's a labor shortage at the moment. So finding specific talent. So I think we are facing like a musician shortage at the moment. Um, I mean, every friend that we know that runs an F&B or runs a hotel is talking about like they need to find more staff. So I think that's part of the residue from COVID. But it's definitely popping. Uh, even on the waiting, at, you know, ferry boats sold out on the weekday. Uh, you know, lines at the, the bus station um, coming in uh, the Zhuhai Bridge. Like these are stories that we've never heard about before. Suddenly become like very common now. So it's definitely like I can definitely feel it. Um, that it's really busy. Uh, there's definitely a lot more excitement. People are shopping. People are really happy to be here. There's a live camera, Sonata Square. It's on YouTube. And I watch this live camera like I'm watching the weather. Just because if that 
square is crowded, then maybe we think maybe we shouldn't go out today. Maybe we'll wait a few days. But it has not been empty since the border reopened January, mm-hmm. like right before Chinese New Year. It is definitely, it's, I, I just can't remember the last time it was so great. I mean, we were, I, I was saying this to Maggie the other day, you know, how, you know, a year ago it was so nice, you know, the hotels were empty. So we had miles that were expiring. And, oh, why don't we use this for a staycation? So we went to like this hotel and this hotel. And even if we paid out of pocket, it was like a fraction of what it was now. Now it's like back to full price. Um, and I think it's great. They got to play catch up. Um, and I'm glad that we got to enjoy it while there were fewer people. But it's definitely, I think, a hot ticket. Um, there's like the need. I mean, I do miss traveling. I haven't traveled in three years. So I do want to get on a plane and go someplace. But if everyone's coming to my house first, Excuse me, that's so crass. If someone's coming to Macau, why don't they come here first and then we can enjoy this together? And then once the excitement dies out, then maybe I'll consider getting on a plane and heading back. Actually, I think we noticed there's a lot of uh, day traveler. So during the weekend, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday is very, very crowded. But we always tell our friends that if you want to enjoy, it's better to come during the weekday and then it will less people. It's still... Like the weekend is crowded, but compared to Hong Kong is still not as crowded, but it is Macau standard is quite crowded. I would say like it's close to Hong Kong crowded during the weekend, but dur- during the weekdays is still um, quite manageable, I feel like. Yeah, but I'm also like, yeah. it definitely is not... It's not empty, like, you know, when there's... Because the population of Macau is actually very, very small. When the tourists are not there, you can really, really feel it. It's like a ghost town. And now that feeling of ghost town during the COVID uh, pandemic has gone. Like, um, at least when you go out, there are people and it's more joyful, I feel like. I can't wait to get over there. And I'm definitely going to go with a copy of your book so I can enjoy it for myself. And uh, weekday. During a weekday, yes. Just wanted to say thank you guys so much uh, for being with us here today on the Correspondent Podcast. And uh, just to let everyone know that the book is available at the front desk. And as you said, there's a Chinese translation coming out later this year. So uh, our listeners should also be on the lookout for that as well. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this special bonus extra for our first edition of the Correspondent Magazine podcast. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter at FCCHK. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget our YouTube channel. Just search FCCHK. That's where you'll find all of our lunchtime talks, Q&A sessions, and interviews in full. My name is Jennifer Jett. Thanks for listening and see you at the bar. (laughs) 